Good morning. It's good to be back again. I represent Parkside Ranch in the eastern townships of Quebec, where right now it's about, oh, 25 degrees Celsius. The sun is shining. You know, we've been laying around in a pond, enjoying ourselves. It's too bad we had to come here to this cold place in New Brunswick. Quebec is always warm and sunny. And uh, <laughs> so I would encourage you to come there and get away from all this cold. Now, I'm, I'm here looking for, for some summer staff. I'll, I'll tell you right up front, that's why we're here. Um, and I would, if the Lord is burning you to be a missionary this summer in Quebec, we would like to talk to you. And uh, so that's, that's why we're here. We'll be here for today and tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I would like to share this morning with you what God is doing in our region of Quebec because it's absolutely amazing. Pat and I moved to Quebec from Connecticut about 15 years ago uh, as missionaries, which is a story, a long story I won't tell. But we've been there, oh, probably about 12 years. And probably at the 12, 11, 12-year point, we had finally earned the right to be heard in the community. It takes a long time in some communities. And this little crack started to open up for us to, to minister in a community. But God did some amazing things and is doing some amazing things that, quite frankly, I never thought were possible. And we're, we're in, a, in a situation right now where, where God has opened the doors for us to minister across the board, primarily with the French, which I don't speak very well. And, uh, and I just want to share some stuff with you. We, we're a summer camp, obviously. Kids come and, and they do the swimming and the horseback riding and you know, the fishing and, and all that good and fun stuff, and we share the gospel with them, and tons of kids get saved. That's about eight weeks of the summer. And the rest of the year, well, we, we do some rentals. We have, you know, conferences come in and, and do some stuff. But during the week, we hadn't been able to do a whole lot uh, working within the community. And, and we were praying that the Lord would, would do something. We have these horses all year round. They eat, they poo, they do all their stuff, and we use them for eight weeks. There's got to be more to this. And so we went to the local English elementary school and said, look it, we would like to give some of your kids free horseback riding lessons after school. And they're like, wow, that's really cool. Thank you very much. And so they sent, uh, initially a couple of years ago, uh, I think it was eight, was it 10 kids? Anyway, eight or nine kids or 10 kids. And for six or eight weeks, we did horseback riding lessons with them after school. It was in the spring. And because the snow melts and then summer comes, there's not much time. So we did that with them and it worked, went great. We did it again with them in the fall. And we said, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this with the French school system? So we went on down to the French school system where basically the churches have been shut out and anything Christian has been shut out. They don't want to hear anything about it. And we said, hi, we would like to give your kids free horseback riding lessons after school. Can we work it out? Principal was ecstatic. And uh, she said, yes, uh, we have a teacher that will take care of that and interface with you. And lo and behold, we got our first class of, of French kids to go horseback riding two years ago. And uh, from that group, some of them came back to summer camp, and five of them accepted the Lord that summer, which was really exciting stuff. So like, oh, we're on our way. We're in two school systems, both the French and the English, and, and, and we're moving forward. We, we did the program again in the next fall and then the next spring. And then this past fall, the English system came, but the French kids couldn't come. Uh, but the teacher couldn't work it out or whatever, so we were kind of like, oh, we were very disappointed. And in October, we said, you know what, why don't we just make some phone calls and call some kids and see if they'll just come outside of the school system? 
for the month of October. So we did that. We called some of the kids that had come to summer camp. And we got, what, eight kids? Something like that. Eight kids uh, came in the fall and for the month of October. And we did the free horseback riding lessons, just as if it was a, a school thing. See, when, when the schools are come, we, we are kind of low-key with the gospel. They know we're Christians, but we don't push it because it's a school activity. We share with them indirectly. And we decided in November, let's start an official Parkside Ranch horseback riding club. It's going to be in French, and we're going to, to do our horseback riding lessons. But we're also going to take 20 minutes in the afternoon, and we're going to do a little Bible study with the kids. I wonder if this would fly. So we approached the, the parents in the end of October and said, look, if this is what we want to do. And, and, and we're going to share, we're going to read out of the Bible with the kids and share with them about, about God. Parents, 100%, absolutely, we're in. Go for it. We were kind of like, whoa, okay. Very surprised. And so we had our first meeting, and we got these, these little Bibles, a uh, modern translation in French. And the kids just ate it up. We started in Genesis 1, 2, 3, through creation, the fall of man, moving up to the birth of Jesus around Christmas time, and now we're headed off to the life of Jesus. And the kids are hungry for it, and our numbers are slowly growing. And, and it's just exciting to see God doing that in a French community. We had a, a Christmas party for all the families, and uh, we, we had our staff there. Um, and, and at the beginning of the Christmas party, I introduced the staff, so kind of the people would know what was going on. And these staff are all volunteers that just come in. So we have one who is a stay-at-home mom, used to be ski patrol, uh, we have one who's a student, and a couple who are students. So I introduced the staff to the, to the families, and I said, we have two things in common. We love kids, and Jesus Christ has changed our lives. Gave thanks for dinner, and we all sat down and ate. My daughter sat with four parents of different families, and one lady said to her, excuse me, can, can I ask you a question? And I was like, sure, ask away. Can you please tell us how Jesus Christ has changed your life? We're like, oh. And so you spent the rest of the evening sharing with these four parents how Jesus Christ had changed their life. And one of our other staff was having another discussion with another parent telling her how Jesus Christ had changed their life. This is in French Quebec. This is unbelievable. These are people who will not go to church, but they're hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the Lord has just opened the doors in this area that, that we're working with, with the schools. Another area that we started, we really had a burden for, oh, probably started about a year ago. Um, there's a camp out in Oregon uh, called Crystal Peaks. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they do what they call one-on-one -on -one mentoring, where they'll take a troubled child or a child that has some issues, or it could be a regular kid, they'll bring them to camp for an hour, hour and a half, and just spend some one-on-one -on -one time with them and with the horse, and use the horse one-on-one -on -one to teach them some life lessons. Example. We're going to brush a horse, get the dirt out of the horse before we ride the horse. Um, the horse can't clean himself. And so I'm working with a, a boy now, right now named Raphael. He's fifth grader. He's been kicked out of school. How do you get kicked out of fifth grade? I don't know. But he's got some stuff in his life, and he can't get rid of it. So I was just sharing with them how sometimes someone else has to come into your life and get the junk out and help you with that as we're brushing the horse. And I said, you know, you have your parents, they're going to help you. You know, your teachers, they're going to help you. I'm going to help you. But most important, God's the one who can get the junk out of your life to make it so that you can get back into school and live life. So it's just little lessons like that as we're working with the horses one-on-one. -on -one. But we, we really didn't know how to start all this. 
And we were praying, Lord, we want to do this, but, but how do we get the kids? And where are they going to come from? Do we put an ad in the paper? What do we do? We had a couple, a couple boys come to winter camp a year ago. And uh, I didn't realize that they came through a Canadian tire fund. They're a low-income family. And their social worker is named Catherine. And uh, so they came to winter camp. And, and at the end of the camp, or at the end of the weekend, they were sitting there waiting to be picked up. And I, I started chatting with them. They had a great weekend, had a time of their life. They said, would you boys like to come back this summer? And they said, we would love to come back, but we have no money. I said, look, you guys, don't worry about the money. We'll work it out. Plan on coming this summer. And they were just thrilled. So the next meeting, the next week with, with Catherine, her social worker, she asked them about camp. They had a wonderful time, best weekend of their life that they've ever had. And they said to Catherine, the man said we can come back this summer. You need to talk to him. And Catherine's like, the man, Okay. And so she just let it go. The next week they get back together. Catherine, have you talked to the man yet? And this went on for a month. And finally she said, stop it. I will talk to the man in April. Now leave me alone until April. We're not going to talk about it anymore. So I get a call April 1st. It's Catherine. He says, I need to talk to the man. <laughs> I was like, okay, who's that? He says, if someone didn't talk to these two boys, he says, oh, that would probably be me. He says, did you tell them that they can come back this summer for, for free? I said, absolutely, love to have them for free. And she was just really taken aback that, that someone would actually do that for these kids. And, and we struck up a bit of conversation. And, and so the boys are going to come back for free, and they're all excited. And I said, you know, Catherine, a, a different subject. We're looking at getting something going, a little one-on-one mentoring program. And she's an official CLSC social worker says, I would love to talk to you about that and see if there's some interest on the CLSC's part. Um, and I kind of explained to her some of the examples that we would be doing. She says, let's have an appointment. I want to come and visit. So she comes out the next week. And we go out. We're walking around with the horses. And I lay out a program before her as to what we want to do with the horses. I said, now, Catherine, you have to understand something. We, we believe in God. We believe in Jesus Christ. And, and we share him with the people that, that come here. I said, is is that a problem? And she says, God's not a problem for me. She says, I'm Catholic. I believe there's a God. I read my Bible, and I attend some Bible studies. Please feel free to share with the kids we send you, when it's appropriate, all the things that you believe and about the Bible. Please do it. She went back to the CLSC. She was our ticket in presented our program to all the other social workers at the CLSC, and so now all the other social workers are busy sending us kids. And we are officially established as one of the tools that the local CLSC uses um, in working with families. It's amazing. God just opened this door with these two boys. It's a meeting. Bang, we have kids coming. Um, We had the the joy of just adding a new full-time staff member. Actually, just started last week. Wednesday night prayer meeting, um, we're, we're sitting around, and, and doing requests. I said, you know what? We have a request. We have a new staff member. We have some more time where we can work with some more kids. Let's pray that God would send us some more kids that are ready to hear the gospel to, to work one-on-one. So, so we prayed that Wednesday night. Friday morning at 7 a.m., the phone rings. The camp phone rings. We had people in. I was cruising through the camp kitchen, so I grabbed a phone. It was Catherine. She says, you're up at 7? I said, are you up at 7? She said, yes. She says, I have two boys and two families to send you. Can you take them? It's like, absolutely. No, these are two families that God is sending us 
that are ready to hear his word. And we haven't met them yet, but they're going to be coming. And so, so God is just opening the door in the French community for us to minister with people. It is really exciting to see what he is doing. One of our other prayers has been, Lord, we need help. We need help. I come here each year looking for help, but, but we need help year-round, and we need help with, to, do, to, to do all this work. Um, about a year and a half ago, we, we felt the Lord leading us to a French church in town, which is really out of our domain. Seems out we don't speak much French at all. The nice thing about that, you can sit through a morning service and not get convicted because you have no idea what the pastor said. <laughs> so there's, there's an upside to that, but anyway. <laughs> so we're at this French church, and we're, and, and we're just talking with people and sharing our vision. And lo and behold, people who have, the, who have a burden for evangelism stepped up and said, hey, we'll help. We'll help. Because this, this work is all French, and I don't speak French. So we have a crew of, of about five really solid people, starting from age 14 up until their mid-30s, of people who show up on Wednesday afternoon to work with the French kids. And some of these people are taking on one-on-one kids for mentoring. And they're, they're a variety of background, but they're people with a passion for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just amazing. Pat and I just sort of sit back and watch this whole program run in front of us, and we're not really involved that much other than just to give support. And, uh, and, and it's been absolutely a joy, and it's been amazing this past year to see God just open doors and, and see his spirit just break forth in our little community. So it's exciting. I thought I'd bring you some good news this morning and encourage you that, that God is amazing. He does amazing things. Don't be afraid to ask for big stuff in his time. He does big stuff. Let's turn to, to 1 Corinthians. This is a chapel service, I guess, so we should probably read something out of the Bible. And I hear the coughing here this morning, which is the foundation of today's message. And I'll tell you why. We showed up at this French church. It's the only French church in town, really. And it's Baptist. Well, they were evangelical-free now they're Baptists, so we're free Baptists as far as I'm concerned. I'd never been Baptist before. My parents think it's hilarious. Um, but anyway, so, so, so we're going to this French church, and we don't know what's going on, quite honestly. And we're meeting some people. A lot of the people speak English a little bit, so we can converse a little bit. But we're sitting there trying to learn the language because we're working more and more French, and we really don't know what's going on. And, and, and a few months ago, something happened in church, and I have no idea what it was. But, but someone got upset at somebody else, and someone just da-da-da, and da-da, and you know, all of a sudden, 40 people go, that's it, we're out of here, and they pack up and they move down the road to a church in Sherbrooke. And we're sitting there watching that, well, I wonder what happened. <laughs> well, I don't know, everything seems good to me. <laughs> but obviously, they're, they're really upset, and they picked up their whole family and shuffled on out the door. I was like, and it was a really nice family, too, and I was like, wow. Wonder what, I wonder what went wrong. I still don't know what wrong, and I really don't care what really went wrong, but something obviously went wrong. Then I started, that kind of started me thinking about the cold and flu season. We have a gentleman here who is demonstrating the coughing syndrome coming off of the flu. I didn't shake his hand. He wouldn't shake my hand this morning. Uh, a cold. All of us have gotten colds, I'm sure, at one time. The first thing that happens, our nose starts to go crazy on us. And it's, you know, it gets all clogged up. And, and then our, our throat gets kind of, eh, 
and we start coughing. And our throat gets, you know, like kind of sore, so it's hard to swallow and hard to eat stuff. Our ears clog up so we can't hear so good anymore. You know, we get tired. And you just feel like, Egh. hey, you want to go play hockey? Egh. Hey, you want to play basketball? Egh. Just leave me alone. You know, we get tired, and, and, and it's just like, well, all of you have had colds. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you may have colds. And, and so what do we do? What do we do? Okay, uh, you, if you look at TV this time of year, you know, there's Theraflu, there's the Alka-Seltzer commercials, there's NyQuil, there's Buckley's. You know, we have, we have all this stuff now that we're going to take to fix this problem. So we got something for the runny nose, the decongestion. We, we take some of that. Um, we got the halls going or a sip of call or something to try and take care of our sore throats. Um, our ears, there's not a whole lot you can do with the ears. Um, we're tired. Well, okay, so we'll take NyQuil, and we'll get a good night's sleep. NyQuil puts you out for much more than a night. Some of the girl in the back there took it last night. <laughs> Sorry. It puts Pat out for like 24 hours if she takes NyQuil. And so we take all this stuff. You know, if, when you're younger, maybe mom got the steamer going in, your, in the room with the Vicks or whatever. You know, we have all these remedies. The, the chicken soup comes out. Does any of that cure the cold? No. What it does, it covers up the symptoms. It helps get rid of the, stops the nose from running a bit. Um, or it may help your throat feel better. It covers and covers up the symptoms of the cold, but it doesn't actually get rid of the cold. It actually does nothing at all to affect the source of a cold, which is a virus. And a virus is just doing its thing. And you can cover up all the symptoms, but the virus is still there. And it's still doing its thing. It hasn't gone away at all. And finally, it will run its course and go away, thank goodness. Otherwise, we'd all be sitting here blubbering away and making a mess out of ourselves. But I was, I was thinking, you know, after this family left the church, isn't church sometimes like this? And I don't know your individual churches. I've been involved in a number of churches. The church I grew up in, uh, I won't mention the name, but I'll, I'll mention what happened to it in a little bit, um, has some, some real issues and some ongoing problems. Um, and, and probably all of you have been in a church or heard of a church that had some problems. And it's kind of like a cold. There's some symptoms. There's, there's maybe some divisions doctrinally within a church. Some people feel strongly um, about doing things one way. Some people feel strongly about doing something another way. And they kind of butt heads about how to interpret the scripture and how that's going to work out in the church. We have divisions on leaders. I think Joe should be the, the head pastor and, and Sam should be the assistant pastor. No, 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 no. Sam is way better teacher than Joe. Let's, let's switch him around. Or whatever the situation is, or you know, if we could just change pastors, we would fix this problem. So sometimes it's, it's, you know, it comes out on the leaders. Sometimes it's the curtains. Whoever picked out those curtains and the rug, the curtains and the rug just don't match at this church. No one's going to get saved with that combination. <laughs> you got to fix it. Look, if you don't change the curtains, we're leaving. That's it. We're going to go to a church that has better curtains than this. I've been there for that argument. Okay? <laughs> Music. You know what? Drums. Oh, they got them covered. That's good. Drums are a tool. 
Drums are a tool of the devil. When, when I was, this is a confession, when I was young, when I was young, there was a time, I wanted to play guitar because that was the cool instrument. My parents were like, no, rock and roll players play the guitar and they're Satanists and they're evil. You may never play the guitar. Christians play the accordion. <laughs> After three years of doing this, I was like, no more accordion, I can't take it anymore. Anyway, no, no, so, I, yeah, I'm still in therapy. Uh, yeah. So, so there's stuff that, that causes people to get upset and causes people, oh, no, no, no. And eventually they leave, or someone, or whatever. It's just bad in the church. And, and, and maybe you've been there, or maybe you've heard of a church. But what's the cause of the problem? Those are symptoms, like the cold that you may get, and you have all that stuff going on. They're symptoms. These things that I'm mentioning are symptoms, and there's plenty more of them, that take place in a church. But what's the virus? What is the underlying cause of the problem? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is talking to the church of Corinth. Maybe you studied this in New Testament survey, whatever. This church was a mess. They had the flu. They had the cold. You know, they, they had all kinds of issues going on in this church. And Paul was trying to address them, and he, and he starts off right away here in chapter 1, um, in verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. That, that sounds like a good plan. My brothers, some of Chloe's household has informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. And another, I follow Cephas. And still, these are the real spiritual ones. Still another, I follow Christ. <clears throat> Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I am thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you are baptized in, into my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus, Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Over to chapter 15, verse 1. And he's, he's addressed a whole bunch of other issues along the way here. Chapter 15, verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Here's the crux of the matter. What is the virus in the church? It's very simple. It's a departure from the cross of Jesus Christ as a center of the church, as a church's focus. 
We tend, as people, to get misdirected very easily and to lose our way. Even as Christians, even at Bible school, even at church, we are easily misdirected. You know, there's some really good stuff out there. The, the church that I grew up in, when I was a kid, our youth group had 80 people in it. We had a Christian service brigade program that in my section of the brigade was 30. We had about 60 neighborhood kids involved in it. People were getting saved. We had Bible studies on six campuses. You know, there's standing room only in the back of the church. Right now, maybe 20 members in that church. There is no studies on any college campuses. There is no youth group. And there's 20 people meeting this big auditorium on Sunday morning. What went wrong? What went wrong with the church? Quite simply, the church lost its way. It turned away from the cross of Jesus Christ as being the focal emphasis of the church and decided that, you know what, it's really important that our kids go to a Christian school and are educated with Christian principles. Legitimate thing to say. And so the church started a Christian school and redirected all of its energy into that school. The elders' meetings turned into school board meetings rather than elders' meetings for the church and to have the church grow. And slowly by slowly by slowly, the school did great and the church dwindled and dwindled and dwindled. And we went back, last time I was there, I went up to one of the deacons and I said to them, how's it going? And his response to me, the school is going great. But the church is empty. He didn't say the church is empty. I was just looking around going, yeah, the school's doing well. You've missed the whole point. And, on, and I am not anti-Christian education. Um, it, it's, it can be a very good thing. Obviously, you're here getting a Christian education. It's a good thing. But it's possible in the middle of a very good thing to totally lose your way, to totally get lost, to lose the whole focus of what the church is all about, what Jesus Christ was all about. The cross of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, has to be the central theme of the church, and everything has to revolve around that. It has to be engaged while you're at the church, and extremely importantly, the church has to take that into the community and engage the community with it. We have to do that. If that is not happening in a local church, it is slowly going to die. Music is a big thing. I love music. What's, what, what do you like about your church? We have great music. We have a good piano player at the French church. It's worth going just for that. She has her master's in piano. She teaches piano. You just go on Sunday morning and sit there and go, ah, I can just sit here all morning. It's great. But if music becomes the big thing of your church, you can lose your way. Worship, very important. You know, worship with music or whoever else you're going to do. Worship at your church, very important. But you can even lose your way in worship and how you worship. Oftentimes, to cover up some of the problems, we invent more rules. Well, you know what? Christians definitely shouldn't drink. Christians definitely shouldn't smoke. They shouldn't go to any movie rated over G. Um, and, and maybe they're not written down, but there's, you know, we, we make rules to try and take care of the issues. 
that are there. Most of the time they're, they're unwritten. Sometimes they're written. And there, needs, there does need to be some rules. But we, we try and cover up the symptoms of people who are leaving. You know, this, this family's not happy. Okay, we'll, we'll change the music. We'll make it better for them. Uh, this family over here doesn't like the pastor. Well, after a while, enough families don't like the pastor. Well, we'll get a new pastor. This one will move along and we'll get a new one. They don't like this deacon. Okay, we'll get a new deacon. They don't like the curtains. We'll get new curtains. And oftentimes at churches, we tend to cover up the symptoms or try and address all the little problems that come along. If we go back to Jesus Christ and the cross and the impact that should have on each of our lives, put that center right in the middle of our church. Everything revolves around the cross of Jesus Christ. That has to push us to the community. And if our church is busy in the community with the cross of Jesus Christ, most of the symptoms go away. They just, because they're just not that important anymore. The color of the curtains matching the carpet doesn't matter because you know what? This week I witnessed to three or four people and, I, and, and you really need to pray for them because they need to get saved. All the little stuff just disappears into the background. So let me encourage you, many of you here are going to one day be church leaders. That, that when, when you get into your churches, whatever you, wherever you find yourself, keep the cross of Jesus Christ centered in the church. Whatever Christian organization you're in, whether it's a Christian camp, a Christian school, the cross of Jesus Christ has to remain central. Otherwise, you're going to have trouble. We're about done. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the cross of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about what are the symptoms personally when I depart from the cross of Jesus Christ. So you can think about that. It'll get a little bit more personal tomorrow. It's easy to talk about the church. It's much more difficult to talk about us. So let's close in prayer. Gracious God, our Father, thank you for the amazing things that you do. Thank you on our part for Southern Quebec and the outbreak of your spirit and the work that you're doing there. And we thank you that your name is being glorified there. I pray for these students as they study that you would open their minds to understand your word and to understand yourself. Help us each to keep you central in our personal lives, in our churches, in our organizations. May we always come back to the cross of Jesus Christ and its power. In Jesus' name, amen.